sooner or later, when you least expect it, there comes a point of no return, a dead end from which there seems no escape, a moment in time, a moment of crisis. It's a time when every respectable middle-class American home had a parlor, and every parlor had a piano, usually an upright, and a child who took from the lady down the street. The notes of the Alexander family piano issue from behind the screen door, across the veranda, down the brick steps and across the lawn, and greet Edna Alexander as she drives in the driveway with a neat grass strip up the middle to catch the oil. She sits in the car a moment, drinking in the tranquil sound of her daughter Charlene practicing, grateful to be back in the world of the same. In a moment, we return to the year 1936 and meet Edna and Charlene and Edna's Uncle John in tonight's tale of crisis, Uncle John's Trouble. You take the paper bag. It's got his pajamas. You look good. Hi, hi, hi. You got the suitcase out in the car, and then this orderly comes rushing out. Oh, you forgot your pajamas, Mr. Buckman. I could have died. I just simply could have died. Your room's all ready for you, Uncle John. Good. Uh, what's for dinner? They starve him. Mama's homemade beef stock soup. Now, what do you think of that? Eh? It's beef and vegetable soup. Oh, good. I could eat a horse and pull the wagon. Come on, Uncle John. Get washed up for dinner. Righto, righto, righto. Oh, let me sit down for a second. Oh, was it terrible, Mama? Oh, they don't let you really see in, don't you know? But the ones they let wander around. Well, let's not go into it. The important thing is we have him back with us. Did you see Dr. Roundtree? Oh, yes, yes. He was there. Had to sign his withdrawal. Well, he said Uncle John is perfectly harmless and that if he doesn't start getting those delusions again... Delusions. What? Delusions? Delusions. Well, if he doesn't get them again, he won't have to come back. Of course, if we could keep him at home, it wouldn't matter. No one else would know but us. Oh, that's hopeless. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Do you think he's better? I don't know. He's so deaf, I can hardly talk and drive at the same time. I have to screech at him, so... He looked happy. Well, he does look happy. Well, he's happy to be back with his loved ones. After all, we're all he has. Oh, if that's one of the neighbors... I'll go. Someone here? Why don't you finish your dessert, Uncle John? I'm looking for the Alexander's residence. Yes, that's us. Oh, I'm Mr. Adams with the 20th Century Hearing Aid uh, down on E Street. I believe a uh, Miss Charlene Alexander left her name and address out at our exhibit, down to the business exhibit in the Armory last week. Oh, that was me. Oh. I forgot all about it. Won't you come... Uh, could you wait here for just a second? 
Well, who is it? Mama, last week when I went to the business show in the armory, remember? I left my name at a hearing aid exhibit. And you man... did what? Well, I thought with Uncle John being so deaf and all... And they sent a salesman. Well, yes. Well, you'll just have to tell him there's been a mistake or something. We can't afford one of those hearing aids. Much as he needs one. Oh, but... Well, all right. Uh, I'm sorry, but I guess we're not interested right now. I see. Well, may I just get some information for our files? Well... No obligation. Well, okay. Uh, the name of the person with the hearing problem? Well, it's my uncle. Actually, my great-uncle... John Buckman. Buckman. B-U-C-K... M-A-N. Uh-huh. And uh, his address? Oh, he lives here with us. Oh, I see. Now, you see, we offer a free hearing aid test right here in the home. No obligation whatsoever. Well, but you see, I don't think we'd be buying one right now. Well, I carry all my testing equipment right here in this case, you see. You mean you have it right here? That's right. You know, Miss Alexander, I'd like to just congratulate you, if I may. Not many young people as thoughtful of their elders as you are. You must love your great-uncle very much to have gone out of your way to inquire about something that would uh, help him enjoy life so much more, even if he doesn't get a chance to hear again. Well, I... I... Come on in. You can set up your apparatus in the parlor. I'll go get Uncle John. Heaven's sake, what time is it? I thought that show would never let out. Time? Why, who cares what infernal time it is in the 20th century? Oh, Uncle John. I have a long ways from being ready to return to 1936. Did you like the movie, Uncle John? I was spellbound, captivated. Do you have any notion of what it was like to sit there in that lovely theater and hear Oh, Captain Bly hollering at Mr. Christian? And the water stood by, and the birds on that island. And uh, you hating Charles Lawton. Worst, worst ever been. In <laughs> <laughs> there, Mama. See? The hearing aid was exactly the right thing. My only thing is popcorn. Popcorn? Sounds louder than the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, in here. Come on right in here. You want to go into pools this time of night? Certainly. I buy them. Well, might as well spend all the money in one night. Come on, and uh, three double chocolate sodies isn't going to break us. Oh, wow. The head cheese is on the premises himself. Good evening, Mr. Poole. Well, hello, folks. Uh, come on in. Say, Mr. Buckman, been some little time, hasn't it? Glad you're back. <laughs> a counter or a booth? Three at the bar, innkeeper. Uncle John, please. Ladies don't sit at the counter. Up you go, Edna. Really? Up you go there, Charlie. <laughs> Say, Mr. Poole, should the proprietor be home counting his gold by this time of night? May should be, but one of the soda jerks took sick just before the movie crowd come in. We saw the movie ourselves. Oh? Yes, everything was first class, except the newsreel. What was wrong with the newsreel? Uh, just a waste of time, that's all. Yeah, these days you can get all the news on the radio, six o'clock. That's not what I mean. All this campaign stuff. Roosevelt says this. Landon says that. Why, Alf Landon may as well go back to Husked Court. Oh, how's that, Mr. Buckman? Oh, come on and order what you're going to have. 
I'd be mighty interested in your political views, Mr. Buckman. Ain't my views. Just the way it's going to be. Franklin D. Roosevelt is going to lick the pants off of Alf Landon in November, period. You think so, Han? I know so. Well, where do you get your inside information? Out at that nut house? Come on, Miss Harleen. We're leaving, Uncle John. Well, no offense, ladies. I just happen to be the Republican precinct chairman, and I'm naturally interested to hear his... Well, nobody says it isn't a fine thing to back them out of your choice. I'm just saying it's a lost cause. Roosevelt will run right over us. Oh, come on, Uncle John. I'll have three double chocolate sodas, Mr. Poole. Coming up. Honestly, Uncle John, you know how strong Mr. Poole is in the party. No wonder you come right in and first thing pick a fight with him. And uh, you are not distinguishing between opinion and fact. Mr. Landon's ignominious defeat is not my opinion. It is a fact. The election's not till November, Uncle John. Thank God, never mind. All right, all right. Let's change the subject. Say something else. You remember that newsreel picture about the big German airship? The Hindenburg? We studied all about that in high school last month. Yeah, well, don't go for no rides on it. Why not? She's a goner. Oh, for heaven's sake. What do you mean? Honey, one of these nights, that big old gas bag is going to explode. Uncle John, no one can predict the future. All right, all right. You just wait. Just wait. all didn't fall on my shoulders. If only your father were alive. Well, he's my flesh and blood, so I guess he's my responsibility. What is it now, Mama? I was on the telephone with Dr. Roundtree. Oh. I described what Uncle John's been doing, and I'm afraid he's going to have to... to go back in. Oh, Mama, no. He's been out for almost a month now, and he's just not himself. Prophesying. Why, it's... it's almost sacrilegious. But he isn't hurting anyone. He's hurting himself, Charlene. And he's making us a laughingstock. Lots of people play their hunches. Do you know what he said to me today, after you went off to school? He said he's going to start buying up tires. Tires? said the time will come when a tire would fetch more than $25. And he wants us to move to a farm where we can have dairy cows so as to have plenty of butter. That butter will be like gold. <laughs> what do you think of that? I... I don't know. No, he is not one bit better. By time before, at least he would just went around not talking and not knowing what day it was. But he's been so happy since he's been out. And that hearing aid has just opened up a whole new way of life for him. Well, we are going to have to take that back. Mother! That thing cost $108.59, and if he has to go back to Ricketts Sanitarium, we'll have to sell the car. I'll be taking it washing and ironing. I could give piano lessons. You may have to, Charlene. Wait, that's him coming in. Ah, glad you're both here. Family Council of War. It's very important. What do you want, Uncle John? Family Council of War. Sit down, Edna. Close the piano lid, Charlie, my dear. Why? People who sit at open piano keyboards are drawn to plunk the keys. It's an irresistible reflex. What 
Is it, Uncle John? All right. Of late, you have no doubt been fearing for my sanity. No, Uncle John. Let's be frank, my dear. I am the target of a whispering campaign around town. No doubt it is reflecting on you, my two dearest and only kith and kin. We love you, Uncle John. Hear me out. What I have said, I have said, because what I have heard, I have heard. What I have said has been said only in the spirit of helpfulness and fraternity. But a prophet is without honor in his own land. Uncle John, I talked with Dr. Roundtree this afternoon. Good. Give him my best regards. But before you consign me once again to the bug house, hear me out. Now, family, we have a hole to dig. A hole to in, dig? In the backyard. Why, Uncle John? For a bob shelter. Oh, dear Lord. War is coming, Edna. Charlene, you're old enough to hear this. I'm listening, Uncle John. There will be cities destroyed this time. There will be innocent people killed. All right, Uncle John. We'll do whatever you say. Who are we going to be fighting with? The Germans and the Japanese. The Japanese? So I've been down to Harbison's Hardware, and the truck will be out in the morning. What truck? What truck will be out in the morning? Mr. Harbison's truck with our first load of cement bags. Just got to see it our way, Mr. Adams. Oh, believe me, I do see it your way, Miss Alexander. They won't let him wear a hearing aid in the, in the institution. And we've got no use for it. But surely Mr. Buckman will be coming out someday. No. No, he won't. Oh, I'm terribly sorry to hear that. Well, a man with, with Uncle John's trouble is too far gone, they say. So that's why I'm asking you to take it back. Well, under the circumstances... We'd be so grateful. Of course, it's used. I, uh, perhaps could allow you $20. 20 Is that all? Why, that's $108. Well, actually, I'm not permitted to take in used instruments at all, but under the circumstances... No, I've... no, I'll run an ad in the paper. I can certainly sell it for more than that. Uncle John really knew. Mama, what is it? I've... I've just been to the doctors. Uncle John is dead. Dead? How could he be? They were giving him those electric shock treatments, and he had a heart attack. Oh. Oh, poor Uncle John. I've been just driving around in the rain for an hour thinking. And you know what, Charlene? It's best. How can you say that? The poor man would never be right again. We loved him and took care of him and he loved us. But there was something wrong in his head and, and everything was tried. The Lord took him and it was a mercy. Now that's what I believe. Thank you. 
Yes. Oh, hello. Miss Alexander, you remember me, Mr. Adams, 20th Century Hearing Center? Of course. Come on in. Thank you. Lovely spring evening. I'm just out for a walk. Found myself in the neighborhood, so I thought I'd stop by. How's your Uncle John? You didn't hear? He passed away last November. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. And your mother? Oh, she's fine. You know, ever since she was in the store last, I've been wanting to... I'll see if we couldn't make some kind of arrangement on that instrument. Or did she sell it? Oh, no, she's... Oh, no! Sorry, come here! Oh, my gosh, excuse me, Mr. Adams. It's the handover. It's exploded at Lakehurst, New Jersey. One of the worst catastrophes in the world. After mutiny on the bank. Oh, John predicted this, and, and it's happened. Oh, it's horrible. Excuse me, is everything all right? All right, the Hindenburg's blown up. Well, what are you doing here? Do you remember Mr. Adams, Mama, from the hearing aid store? Oh, yes. Well, uh, I was just telling your daughter, Mrs. Alexander, that I've been thinking perhaps I could arrange a little more generous allowance on that instrument of Mr. Buckman's. Oh, well, that's very thoughtful of you, I'm sure. Mama. However, I've decided not to sell it. Oh, is that so? You see, I've been wearing it for six months or so. It really works good, Mama says. In fact, it works better than I ever thought it could. So thank you very kindly anyway, Mr. Adams. But no, no, we're not that hard-pressed. Well, I didn't mean to imply, but... Well, I'm happy someone's getting some use out of it. That model's a very fine instrument, although, you know, the same company has brought out its new 1937 line, and there's some wonderful new improvements. No, thanks, all the same. I'll keep this one. Well, fine. I'll leave you to your radio, Mrs. Alexander. Now, if you ever need service, batteries, and that sort of thing, just call me, and I'll be glad to bring them by. I'll see you to the door, Mr. Adams. I heard you mention pools. You know, I'd be pleased to walk you down to pools for a nice cream since you warm evening. Hello, Daily Sentinel. Let me talk to the editor. Hello, Mr. Editor. I want to give you a piece of news, something to follow up on for your paper. Now, up in Massachusetts, in a town called Hyannisport, there's a family name of Kennedy. Yes, yes, I believe Mr. Kennedy was just appointed ambassador somewhere. Well, it doesn't matter. What I want to tell you is about one of his boys, John. Yes. Now, listen, this is terribly important. It's a matter of life and death. Something's going to happen. What? Uh, this is Mrs. Alexander. N- now, I- now, if you're ready, I'm going to dictate. What? Where did I hear this? You'd be surprised, mister. You'd be surprised. I just happen to know. Let's say it uh, runs in the family. Now, here's what I want you to take down. This boy, John Kennedy...
Well, by now, we know the nature of Uncle John's trouble. He was deaf. That's all. Just deaf. But that 1936 model hearing aid, well now, that's something else. Something else indeed. Uncle John's Trouble featured Merrill Mail as Uncle John and as Mr. Adams, Pat French as Edna Alexander, Lee Posh as Charlene, and Bill Swain as Mr. Poole, and was written and directed by yours truly, Jim French. Mm-hmm.